Welcome to another Sunday Session podcast where we take you back through all eight games for the round with the big talking points. Chris Kennedy in the studio with the great man Kenny Scott. The other great man, Craig Wing, is uh, off at a wedding, I believe, Kenny. Uh, well, are you looking at me for confirmation? I don't know. That's what you told me, so I guess that's where he is. Um, but how exciting. We're so close to the end of the season, and it just keeps getting better and better. Weren't there some blockbusters this weekend? Some A uh, couple of blowouts as well, but a couple of absolutely thrilling moments as well. And uh, we'll start with one of those, probably the match of the round, and there are a couple of contenders for that prize. Um, the Raiders up against the Seagulls, down there in the nation's capital. Um, had some drama, had some big moments. Manly eventually got away with the win. I can't believe Manly managed to win this game because from the outset, I, I thought Canberra had it, had it over them for most of the game. Um, I remember early on when Jared Croker scored his first try, because um, I think Canberra had one disallowed beforehand. When yeah. he put the ball down, he had this look in his eyes, like, and it's not—it's a look that I I wouldn't normally associate with with him, uh, but he just looked, I don't know, steeled and like determined and kind of angry and hungry. And I thought, oh yeah, Canberra's Canberra's going to get this one um, in some way, shape, or form. And then I don't know, Manly just do what Manly do and somehow managed to keep winning. It was a uh, mm-hmm. really gutsy effort. They just, yeah, they did not go away at any stretch, um, even though, yeah, like there was a point early on where it looked like Canberra might uh, have a, a fair bit of ascendancy. Probably the, the big talking point we need to talk about out of this one, Canberra up, I think it was 10-4, um, pressing the manly line. Uh, Jack Gajewski races up, takes an intercept. Question marks over the onside. Haven't seen a, uh, <clears throat> a proper replay yet, but he finds Ruben Garrick in support. He races away, scores the try. Joey Leilor in support. Can't tackle him, but then uh, just drops the knees into the back, and that's a big no-no. Yeah, you've got to think. Players these days, and there's been a couple of incidents across this round, which we'll get to as the games progress on, where players are just dumb. Like, the only way to describe it is just dumb stuff that you know is going to cost your team. Um, is either going to cost you a player on the field or it's going to cost you points or field position or something. It's going to cost your team, and you get no benefit from it, and that's one of them. I don't know. Like, what was he thinking? And it wasn't even like he got a particularly... Like, if you're thinking about... The, the logic, I mean, it's, it all happened very fast, but logically he'd be like, fine, I'm going to drop the knees in and maybe like hurt him a little bit. But he didn't even do it in a particularly like productive way for that kind of outcome either. It was just yeah. a, a waste of everything. I, I assume it's just an overflow of, I guess, frustration. Like your team's up by six and pressing the line and suddenly you've got to run 100 metres to try and stop a try yeah. at the other end. Yeah. Um, but the result was an eight-point try. So instead of being 10-all, it was uh, 12-10 behind. Um, ended up... Croker actually missed the conversion when Canberra scored to, um, you know, Jake Travorovic scored, then Can- then then Croker scored. So um, if Croker had got that goal, it would have got it back to, to evens mm. had it not been for the eight-point try. So yeah. that's a bit convoluted to listen to. But the, the point being that <laughs> the eight-point try was extremely it crucial. It was bad. It was, it was dumb. I think that, that, that's, that's the point you're trying to make. And, it was uh, dumb. and pretty lucky not to go to the Sinbin, I thought, as well, just given what we saw over the weekend with a few other pieces of foul play. But... Um, <clears throat> You know, credit to Manly. They lost a couple of players with injury. Moses Suley rolled an ankle. Joel Thompson looked like he probably yeah. fractured his forearm, which is a huge blow for them. Yeah. Um, not sure when Curtis Sirenen's back, but starting to get a little bit injury hit on the eve of the finals, unfortunately for Manly. But, I mean, it hasn't stopped them so far. Oh, I can't see how that, that, with... that might be a problem for a normal team. Yeah. Manly, whatever. Just put it, chuck the jersey on and put them out there. Hold them together with sticky tape. They'll do the job. It's, mm. as, long as, as long as Dez is motivating them, that's all you need. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're winning games with Cherry Evans and Tom Travojevic out for a while earlier yeah. in the year, so um, wouldn't rule them out no matter what. Uh, not the end of the world for Canberra. They're still uh, top four. The result actually pushes South back down to fifth, who we'll get to a little bit later on. But, yeah, that was a, a thrilling game and probably between, you'd have to say at this point, two serious 
contenders, two teams that have both beaten the storm in Melbourne this year. So they're, they're genuine top four teams. Yeah, it, it had a real semi-finals feel to it. And I think like it just gets me more excited for like when it is actually going to be the semi-finals. And you're looking at sudden death games involving, well, maybe those two those two teams together, but involving those two, those two teams at all, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, massively. Um, the earlier game on Sunday, one team that definitely will be in the finals and one team that definitely won't, but a bit closer <laughs> for a fair while than we, uh, we thought it might be. Um, Storm put a little bit of a reshuffle. Brody Croft went out. Jerome Hughes from fullback to halves and Ryan Pappenhausen to fullback, which is what I know a few fans have been crying out for uh, for a while now, but it didn't really pay early dividends. Titans uh, came to play. Yeah, you, you could see, like, the first 15 minutes or so of this game, Melbourne just didn't look right. Like, Melbourne don't ever look wrong because they're Melbourne, but they didn't look Melbourne yeah. in terms of everybody knew what was, was going on. And they say, and um, they, I don't know if it, like, rattled is the right word, but they just didn't look right. Something wasn't quite working mm. for them. Uh, and, you know, the, the, like, hats off to the Titans. They took advantage of that. Um, probably not as much as they could have. They probably had more chances um, that they, they, they didn't convert into points. Um, but I mean, who'd have thought? What was it? Eight six at halftime. Titans up. Like, yeah. Up at that score, I think every single sports-related app I had sent me a message saying, "Can you believe it?" Yeah. And like, you know, fifty people that I chat footy with all sent me messages going, "Well, what's going on?" And then, of course, everything turned to normal, and mm. Melbourne went on with it. Well, you kind of always felt that the Storm were going to come back and get them, but it was a spirited performance. We've been critical of them for not having a proper dig in recent weeks. I think they're averaging about thirty-seven points against. Um, or I think it's actually gone up since. Um, since Brennan left, but it's 37 against over the last seven rounds or so. So good to see them sort of show a bit more resolve, a bit more discipline. Um, one of the other moments of the match, um, the fastest man in the NRL was run down over 100 <laughs> metres by uh, a flying Philip Sammy who chased down the fox in the corner. And absolutely one of the try-saving tackles of the year. Yeah, and the, 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 the thing to note about that is it was what, the last minute of the game, I think, the Storm yeah. were up by 28. It was 24-8. Yeah, the game was yeah. over. Yeah. Um, in he had that the like Sammy had every single right to just like let him go. It's, it's it makes no difference to anybody or anything. But he chased him down full length of the field and managed to to knock the ball out before um, mm. the end of the run, which shows good things for the Titans because like the last couple of weeks we've really stuck the knife into them and just said they've got no you know, their attitudes poor. Um, they haven't got the, the right sort of haven't got any, any motivation. They don't seem to be doing it for each other. But that single act, I think they could probably use that. Uh, as a building block for, like, you know, there's only two games left in the season for him, so, um, but use that as, that's, I mean, I'm sure Mel Meninga will be like, that's what Titans culture is all about. <laughs> um, and they'll, you know, he, he may have started a movement there. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, Wingy said in previous weeks, like, if nothing else, at least sort of show some desperation individually, yeah. show that you personally want to be in the NRL, you know, at, and, and want to be a first grader, which I think, you know, Philip Sammy's done on that, um, yep. on that play, which is good to see. Um, the the final Saturday game looked like it was going to be a serious cricket score, but um, credit to the Dragons, they came back in the second half, still uh, nowhere near good enough to get over the top of the Roosters, who won uh, 34-12 in the end. Mm, I reckon you're being pretty generous in that credit to the Dragons statement. <laughs> I don't think the Dragons should have really any credit. Tiny bit of credit? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, the Roosters, I think the Roosters just sort of went into cruise control. I mean, no, you know what? I think yeah. the Roosters were in cruise control in the first half and got to 28-0 or whatever it was. I yeah. think the Roosters... Um, I mean, that's the kind of scary thing about the way the Roosters are going as well, is that they're really, really good and they can do, they can rack up big scores without doing anything particularly spectacular. They're just sort of doing their normal stuff. Um, so um, but we'll get to them, I suppose. But the Dragons, geez, has there ever been a team that looks more desperate for the end of the season than the Dragons, do, than the Dragons did this week? I know I said the same thing about the Cowboys last week, I think, but, but the Dragons this time, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, like I find it. I don't like. I don't know if we want to get into this now, but like I, I find the Dragons really puzzling because mm. they've got. If you look at that squad, they've got an excellent team. Like we can we can rattle yeah. off the names. Like I mean, we won't because. But they've got like they've got such a good team. I don't know why why they're not performing. Like why have they just had such a disappointing season. So, I mean, like you said, they've got heaps of Test and Origin players, especially in the forward pack, and a few other high-caliber players who are probably rep standard. Um, clearly, the you know the Debellin thing in the preseason, they base a lot of their game plan around him. He does a lot of work for them. He's important to their well. Isn't that just structure? I'm going to be pretty harsh here, but isn't that just poor game management? Like that, if it's all absolutely, if it all hinges so desperately on what a second rower. Mm. That's just a poor game plan. I mean, it's the same, you say mainly do that with Jake Travojevic and he gets injured in the first, you know, week or whatever. Yeah. Des would have a, a plan B and a yeah. plan C, whereas I don't, doesn't really look like the Dragons had that. Um, and same, you know, the start of the year, they came unstuck pretty early. And I think that whole rigmarole with, you know, what's Dufty doing? What's Widdop doing? Who's going from, you know, is McInnes going from hooker to lock and mm. hunt from halfback to hooker? And it was all just a, a bit of a mess. And I think it hurt their, their fluency. Um, <coughs> McGregor was sort of saying it was just a lack of experienced middles that sort of forced it on them, but they've not really found their mojo since then. I mean, they've, they've had players go into origin and play really well. Paul Vaughan and Tyson Brazell have been yeah. close to the best player on the field at various times during the the origin series. But, um, you know, recent weeks, I think James Graham's really been putting in, but I'm not sure he's quite getting that sort of support from, from some of his teammates. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I did like... Um, I, I did really enjoy seeing Tristan Saylor get an NRL debut and, and scoring a try. Yeah, and put immediately under pressure as well with that um, with the kickoff, and he handled yeah. that well. And I think that probably set him up for a, a good debut. Mm. A huge shot, shot from uh, another debutant in Billy Smith, the Rooster Centre, yeah. came in for Latrell Mitchell. Uh, ended up being a penalty. He took him in the air. It was a, a big collision. Young <laughs> Tristan just bounced straight up. Um, does have you know, very different sort of physically from his old man, who was this huge, you know, hulking winger, whereas Tristan's yeah. a lot slighter and yeah. um, probably more of the the whippet style. But um, he sort of still had a bit of that Wendell Saylor swagger about him, which was uh, good to see. Um, Roosters, is there much to say other than they're just super impressive? And they're really impressive. But if you look at this win and their their last two wins have been like pretty soft. Do you reckon that that might start to worry Trent Robinson. I should have looked at the draw before I um, started talking. I don't know who they've got next week, but unless because you'd sort of want them to start getting mm. some some you know some more um, some tougher games like under their belt before the final series started. You don't want them walking in thinking it's all too easy. I actually, um, it's a good question, and it's a question that I asked. I think it was Cooper Cronk when they were up for media during the week, or it might have been Kerry. I forget. Yeah. Name dropper. Yeah, well, it's, Kenny is part of my job. I have to go out to these clubs and interview players. I've got to come up with questions. But, um, yeah, they, they basically said, I mean, as you'd expect them to say, we're not worried about it. Um, but also they, they sort of said, you know, even the, quote, they didn't use the word easy games, but whatever, the, you know, all games, whether it's a blowout score or a tight one, you take something out of it, whether mm. it's a winner or a loss, and they just sort of go back and no matter how the game panned out, work on what they could improve on, which um, sort of sounds like a cliche, but when it's the Roosters, you also kind of believe it just because they're so good at yeah. those little bits of improvement. I mean, you have to week. think, like, Trent Robertson's such an experienced coach and he's, I mean, the Roosters were red hot last year as well and I'm sure this situation would have come up. He, you know, he knows, he would know how to um, manage that. I don't think it'd be a new problem yeah. for him. You look how well prepared they were for the grand final. Yeah. last year and you just kind of it's very ominous at the moment the uh, the roosters 
Anyway, I know you've been waiting for this. The <laughs> second Saturday game, the West Tigers had an absolute field day against the poor old Newcastle Knights uh, down there at Campbelltown Stadium. A few of their favourite sons had absolutely running amok in this one. Yeah, this was like this was incredible. I did not see this coming at all. Generally, my rule is uh, when a team sacks the coach, uh, the next game that team plays might not necessarily win, but they play. You know, they get this. They get a whole new level of intensity and they'll... So I thought the Knights were going to be on for this and I didn't necessarily mean think that would mean the Tigers would automatically lose, but I thought it was going to be a really tough game and it turned out to be the complete opposite. Um, it was... I mean, when the Knights almost scored early on, that's when I thought, oh, I think I, think I am personally mm. as a fan in for a tough night. But then from it was one-way traffic after that. It's the, the Newcastle, um, they were down. They were definitely down, but uh, I don't want to take anything away from the Tigers because some of those, like the the Brooks Garner combination, I think that we I saw that, yeah. like seemingly eighty times throughout the night. It seemed, but it was just so effective every single time. I thought Corey Thompson had another massive game. I'm getting, uh, I have now officially ranked him as the second best West Tigers fullback of all time, just below Brett Hodgson. Wow, and he's only been there for like less than a whole season, so. That's saying something. One right. or two good names on that list. Yeah, there well. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I was going to mention the, the Garner Brooks combo. Brooks was sensational. It's probably about as good as he's played. I was going to say this year, but almost ever. He's just yeah. pulling all the right reins, all the all the strings. Um, that night's right edge. Um, I think Sione's on that side, and people love to bag Sione. I actually think he uh, cops a lot of stick that he doesn't deserve. Mm. But the, just whatever the combination was out there was not working at all, and they were they were getting punched through pretty much all night. Um, Young Campbelltown junior David Nofaluma gets a hat trick at his home ground, which was really nice to see. What about that that tr- that that grubber try? I don't know how you describe it. That he was sort of kicked around his winger. I, and... I couldn't actually see what because I was at that game. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, <laughs> I couldn't actually see um, what had happened. I saw him run towards the line, and then I saw him disappear out of like my frame of vision, and then dive on the ball. So I didn't I didn't know what had gone on. It wasn't until I saw the replay that I was like, <laughs> that that was amazing. Like that's a, I mean kind of a risky play, but. When it comes off, it's just yeah. like the fact that he had to like he ran out of the field of play mm. back around in like it just I don't know it was cool yeah it was really cool. Bloke he ran around actually felt a bit sorry for young Bradman Best going to be a superstar of the future. A lot of talk made about his fantastic name, but he's also been a, an absolute superstar coming through in sort of the junior origin levels under Brad Fittler yeah. and felt he was a little bit let down by his teammates. He's going to have to remember that debut uh, for a, a fair while. Hopefully he's got some well, you know brighter what? times ahead. The only way is up, right? Yeah, exactly. Every single game is probably going to be an improvement on that one. He'll play a lot more games and he'll be better for it, yeah. I'm sure. What about uh, Benji uh, playing at hooker? Um, yeah, for I mean, I, game there? I was really happy to see Josh Reynolds get a crack and I thought... Uh, he played well. He played like Josh Reynolds. He brought that energy and enthusiasm yeah. we expect from him. In terms of not having a specialist hooker, I mean, we thought that was going to hurt them with obviously little injury adding to the, the Robbie Farrah injury. I think the, the Knights were poor enough that it didn't really matter, but what they were doing was also effective enough that it sort of worked. They sort of played without a 5 eighth in the first half an hour mm. until Reynolds came on and Benji moved back to the... The halves, I often wasn't quite sure where people were playing just watching the game, but they sort of just had guys going everywhere and it, mm. it came off, which was, you know, good for them. Yeah. In terms of the Knights, obviously the, the huge, huge story in the build-up was, uh, and you touched on before, the, the change of coach, a lot of questions being asked. You know, you saw Andrew Johns teeing off on the, the post-game on, on Channel 9 the other night, just around, you know, the timing of it, obviously um, got wind that he was maybe going to be looked at in terms of his position and 
sort of accelerated the, the conversations on his own. As a Knights fan, you, you must just be so disappointed that it's unravelled the way it has with the finals you know, prior to this game, a, a realistic option. Yeah, so you got to, like you said, you got to feel, feel for Knights fans because it seems um, that as just as they're about to, to get better, uh, like start mm. improving and start getting to where they need to be, something happens to sort of take the wind out or just, you know, take, take their legs out again. And, um, you know, whether it's your private owner um, declaring bankruptcy or... Like, well, yeah, they've had a uh, that sort of stuff. But this is... Uh, yeah, this is a... Like, how did, how did derail a finals campaign 101? Yeah. Sack the coach three games. Like, while she's still in it, sack the coach. Um, with... Uh, unless... Maybe there's there's got to be more to this story. Maybe key players... And I'm, this is pure speculation for me. Maybe key players don't have a good relationship with Brown and maybe it's just something that had to happen. Um, you know, maybe his, you know, air quotes, lost the dressing room. I don't know, but... You, some, there's got to be something more to it, right? For yeah, yeah. And I mean, you kind of wonder if uh, I mean, obviously, the timing of it through is for the finals is bad. But in terms of the five years or, <clears throat> or whatever it is that Brown's been there, it might have been coming towards time to to change coaches. Just with the fact that he had made so many improvements to the roster without really having huge improvements in terms mm. of the you know the ladder finishes that they've been getting. Um, and if it does turn out to be Adam O'Brien, who's been through the storm and the rooster system in terms of, you know, they talk about the, the party culture a bit up in Newcastle. I don't know if that's a, as big a factor as some people make it out to be, but it's, you can tell that Adam O'Brien, coming from those hyper-disciplined, strong culture-type systems, is going to put his stamp on things. If that's the case, then I would wager we can see some big names move on from Newcastle mm. once he comes in because that's always um, and that's that wouldn't be um, specific to Newcastle that's always a way when a highly disciplined coach comes into a, a team that's um, not saying the Knights are undisciplined but if they've got a lot of lifestyle factors that the coach doesn't agree with generally you'll see um, yeah players get moved on or players just, just pick up and move on their own accord mm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the Hunter <laughs> it will be interesting times uh, and hopefully some brighter times ahead for, uh, for Knights fans the previous Saturday game, the Sharks up against the Warriors. Sharks starting to look like that team I think we've all been expecting to see for so long that hasn't quite emerged. Um, hard to tell how much was um, the Warriors just not putting up too much of a fight. But um, you know, a bit like Knights fans, very disappointing for, for Warriors fans. and Another season sort of left to drift away. Yeah, Warriors fans. I mean, you can just always dream of what could have been had, you know, I don't know, games gone in certain ways or... If, Attitudes were slightly adjusted. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but this this game, it, it seemed to me that um, it was less about the Sharks. The Sharks played well, um, mm. but I think it was more about the Warriors. They didn't play poorly, but they, they had no desperation in their defence. And I, I think there was a couple of tries. Um, I, I, the one that stood out to me was um, Josh Morris's first try. Yep. Um, it seemed that the defence on the, the Warriors' defence were just sort of jogging after him. There was no no one was sprinting to get him, and I think. As soon as he made the break, it was like a foregone conclusion to all of them. Oh, he's going to score. I better just show like I'm, you know, mm. trying a little bit here. It was pretty disappointing. Well, the the yawning gap through which a very large man named Braden Hamlin Newelli strolled for a, <laughs> a try in the second half. Don't <laughs> mean a real breakout year, Hamlin Newelli, but yeah. I don't think he should have gone over that easy uh, mm. next to the sticks. So, a few concerning moments of defence, but yeah, good signs for the Sharkies. Look, both centres were really good. Morris and Young Bronson Sherry uh, for feeder back from injury was really powerful. Um, all their medals were, were pretty good. Um, Sean Johnson was pretty good again. So that was um, um, that's his first win against the Warriors, isn't it, for Sean Johnson? Uh, they I think played they... earlier in the year. Was Johnson? Did he play that one? Was he injured? I, I think he played check. that one. And then that was the the Warriors beat them. I'm pretty sure. 
right. I'll check okay. that while I talk about something yeah. else, which <laughs> is um, uh, Josh Dugan, I thought, was extremely good um, playing at fullback. He's been somewhat maligned um, at times this year. Uh, still came up with one of those sort of um, coach-killing errors, I think, coming out of his own end, but otherwise mm. scored a really powerful um, solo try and had some huge carries, a lot of tackle busts, and looked really... Um, Determined, which I thought was a, uh, a good sign. Yeah, well, Dugan's never been shy about stating that he prefers to play fullback. So, um, you know, I guess when he's there, he'll he'll relish the opportunity and, um, and and play like he's enjoying it. I thought um, RTS had a good run towards the end of the game. Mm. Um, the last Warriors try was um, set up from him, and I thought that's uh, that was pretty good. What like a, a player like him? Do you think that to get the best for him to get the best out of the rest of his career, he needs to move on I don't know he's um, I mean he's won a Dally M there he's, I don't think he's I mean they, they desperately need to keep him um, I don't know that he's necessarily a better player than he was when he was at the Roosters but I mean he's he's everything to them at the moment they just mm. can't afford to lose him I, you know he's a, a Kiwi international I'd love to see him stay there and also have success there rather than sort of do what's best for his own personal development but mm. I, I guess we'll see uh, also just confirming that uh, the Sharks did lose to the Warriors. It was that game where uh, Fafita gave away the, the penalty towards the end. Oh, yeah. yeah so you were right. <laughs> Correct. Well done. Uh, the previous <laughs> game was... Um, this was one I of like, the I like being live fact-checked. <laughs> <laughs> live I can do that. Um, the uh, the Broncos up against the Bunnies. This was, I mean, all the build-up around, you know, Seabold v. Bennett and the barbs in the media and Dimitri got dragged into it and who's winning the mind games. And I th- we all kind of just were ready for the game to start. And then it just seemed just as spiteful on the field as it did yeah. uh, off it. There's so many big moments in this one. This game, like, everything about this game was the right way to do it. So the build-up was the right way you build up a game, whether that was by, you know coincidence or design or whatever but you're right the 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 coach on coach stuff in the media ceos getting involved like mind games um but then the stuff on the field as well it was just it was just epic i can't think of another word to describe it it was just this big Mm. huge event it's not like it was a state of origin or a grand final but it had that same feel it was big and i think um you know maybe the fact that it was also at a relatively full suncorp um, on a Friday night, added to that as well, but it just it was a it was a joy to anticipate and really satisfying to watch. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start with the talking points for this one. I guess we'll start with there's been Wayne Bennett has brought two of his former Broncos players down to South Sydney this year as mid-season signings, and both of them got sinbin for elbowing <laughs> the face or the head or the neck of one of their old Broncos teammates through the match. Um, huge brain snap from James Roberts. Probably wasn't as dangerous as it first looked, um, but yeah, still dropping the you know forearm region of your head on an opponent. Uh, I assume he's mates with Corey Oates, who's the nicest man alive. Well, um, yeah, that's it. It seemed it didn't seem like a like a, a, a friendly niggle. Not like yeah, it friend, a friendly niggle sounds like an oxymoron, but it, it sounded like a genuinely spiteful mm. hit. Um, and it looked that to me, it looked that way live. It looked that way in slow motion. I'm pretty sure he knocked Corey Oates out for a split second. Like if you mm. see the, the slow mo replay, his well, his head face, hits the ground as well. And his face so goes blank. Have, might have already been sort of partly out. Yeah, there. I mean, he passed his HA and came back. And the other one was Jaden Sewer. On, I think it was Alex Glenn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was more. Uh, it was a big tackle, which was sort of allowed, and then he dropped the the forearm yeah. as he took him to the ground. So that was. I, I think the Roberts one was was probably worse. Yeah. Um, in my mind, but so which, and it was graded higher on the charge sheet, so yeah. he'll miss two games. I think Sue was free to play with an early plea. So what's the difference between, um, like I, I think that 
like a sin bin, yes, definitely a sin bin. I think it was probably worthy of a send off as well. Like I thought it was yeah. that that blatant because it's play had stopped. Um, it's like this is heat of the moment stuff. It was calculated, premeditated. It was basically a punch to the back of the head. Mm. In my mind, uh, a send off would have been um, justified. Yeah, I think they changed the rules a couple of years ago. Was it last year? So that you uh, previously you couldn't sin bin for foul play if it was bad enough to leave the field. You were sent off, and the sin bins were for professional fouls and such forth. And I think if this had happened before that, it would have been a send off. But now that we have the option of the sin bin for foul play, I think the refs just chose to use that one. But I was with you. I thought if he did get sent off, it, it wouldn't have been um, an overreaction at all. And, yeah. and I know plenty of people on social media and such were saying it probably should have been a send off. Um, but still, more talking points to go through. Um, one of them, I think. I think it was late on in this, um, it was probably a, a game saver, was that huge try-saving tackle from Damian Cook on Corey Oates, oh, close to the line. God. Little man on big man, rampaging winger coming through, close to the line, just full body, just slaps into him, drags him down, inches short, just what a moment. Yeah, that was that was uh, in, would have been in the last set um, the, of the last minute of the game. Uh, and that, would have, that was definitely um, uh, like a game-saving tackle. Damian Cook... Like where does he get it from? He just I don't know. everything he does is excellent. Like, it's, <laughs> but it's it, like attack, defense, game management. He's like um, he's he's like a really exciting Cameron Smith in the same way that like cause Cam Smith the same way does it does everything right. But Damian Cook does it in this really attractive way, I suppose. Like yeah. he's just. I was thinking about this. I find them extremely different players. Like Cam Smith sort of slows everything down, plays the game at his own pace, sort of he decides what pace you're going to go at and how to bring the forwards onto the ball and whether he sort of takes a step out of dummy half and, and sort of you know develops a shape. Whereas Cook sort of this 100 miles an hour, he gets in a dummy half and just fires the pass out mm. to get the forwards on the ball or he scoots out a dummy half and he goes yeah. again 100 miles an hour. Those um, scoots out a dummy half, like I love watching him change direction. I don't know, like his acceleration as well is something to be admired, but the way he can just sort of like like I don't know, it's no rts like head kink but it's, it's the same yeah. sort of it just he turns so easily and that try that he scored and i mean what a game he had um he still had one to beat and he was going at top pace at an angle and just this tiny little shape fade step and away he didn't yeah. move much but it was just the, the, just the, enough, the yeah. fake and the step that he hardly got a, a finger laid on him it was just incredible speed of movement for a, a number nine and like we said you know he's not a big guy at all he's probably one of the smallest guys in the field but gets through 50 tackles a game pretty much all of them are on yeah guys twice his size it's uh it's stunning work uh, before we leave this one behind, just the scenes from the sheds where um, old man oh. Wayne comes in with a jumper around his neck and all of a sudden... Yeah, what was the deal? Oh, like, the, the jumper, jumper around the neck? I don't know. Like, what's threw the... me right off. It was, <laughs> he's moved to Sydney and suddenly he's yeah. Gucci or Versace or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's you know, Cody Walker jumping on him and hugging him and yeah. everyone else high-fives. is just um, It probably would have been a bit galling for, for Brisbane fans, but as a neutral, it was just joyous. Yeah, I think that, like, that just highlights again how how Wayne coaches a team is is it's less about I mean of course skills and fitness is a focus but it's all about relationship management and mm. he just has this way of doing it perfectly with um with his players and that I mean yeah it, it, it just it, you showed it there like they were so um it was like you know it's like Jesus was walking in yeah. there, like or, or Santa Claus or someone it's this <laughs> um yeah they they obviously really really um admire and respect him and, and they credited him with the win 
Yeah, and you could tell this was one that he didn't want to lose. So yeah. just yeah, the the instant sort of outpouring was uh, unsurprising. Yeah. Anyway, the early Friday game, the um, the Cowboys, who I think I've been tipping for four or five weeks in a row, finally stopped tipping them. And what do you know? Ah, they well, win a game. So, so it's your fault. My <laughs> apologies to Paul Green and to the Cowboys. Um, they're actually quite good. Um, Seeing the big man Cole Feld in space, running around, scoring long-range tries, and um, a couple of them aligned outside backs. Tom Opacek was fairly good. Um, you know, Jason Tamalolo, who we weren't even sure if he was going to play, he was good, scored a try. They, um, you know, Michael Morgan, who's you know been up and down a bit this year, was um, was good in the halves as well. Um, I mean, it's it's too late for them, unfortunately, but good to give the um, the hometown fans a bit of joy before the season's out. So, can we use the term that you used to describe this game before we before we went on air? Can we? <laughs> no, look, everyone cares, Kenny. I'm not gonna... <laughs> like, I, I did refer to it possibly off air as the Who Cares Cup, but yeah, but, but it's I, not I entirely think... true because Penrith still have um, a, a slim hope of making the finals, but this is not the result they wanted. Um, heading in. But it's funny that you say that. So, yeah, we've dubbed it the, the Who Cares Cup, but I, I wouldn't say that's because people aren't aren't interested in the result. But it seemed to me that that's what Penrith were playing. Like, that's how Penrith treated the game. They yeah. had no desire at all. It was really confusing. It was odd, um, yeah. Really disappointing for Penrith fans. Um, and, like, the telling the telling moments were in the second half. Um, first minute into the second half, uh, was Michael Morgan takes a quick tap before the Penrith Panthers, mm. like the Panthers didn't even realise what's going on. And again, they didn't really seem to care. And that Kyle Felt try um, off the quick 20-meter restart, yeah. like that was just embarrassing. You again, should, that try should never be scored yeah, in NRL level, really. That like, is just... Well done it's, to the Cowboys. It's embarrassing for, for the Panthers, so they should really, um, you know, go back and have a long, hard look at themselves. But there's something not quite right with them because... I mean, it's a, it's a crucial game. They're still in finals mm. contention. They need to win every single one. And they just didn't seem to... Yeah, there was just no no intensity, no desperation. Mm. It, was con- it was confusing. And the game didn't probably reach any great heights either. So um, yeah, a little bit disappointing, certainly for Penrith fans. Uh, we'll move on from that one to uh, Bankwest Stadium on Thursday night. And this was a fun game. This was just... It was spiteful. There was sin bins and fights and end-to-end footy and attack and like big tackles and huge hits and just had everything going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was at Bankwest for this one as well, and like, like you said, it was just so much. It was so much fun. I've not had a more um, entertaining match that I've been been to for the last two seasons at least. I think it was just everything about it was 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 big and fun, and um, it was just yeah, there was just so many so many things to talk about, like the. Make a Sevo and his yeah. hit on on DWZ. Like the stadium went oh, wild man. when that happened. It's one of the biggest collisions I've seen. I couldn't, I couldn't year, believe what I was seeing. And then um, if you checked uh, social media, like ten minutes after, um, NRL Instagram account had posted excellent photos of just prior to the hit and just after <laughs> the hit, and it just looked. Yeah, mm. Dallin posted one of those on his own Instagram, just thanking Mike Sivo for clearing out his sinus. He had a <laughs> tough week with the sinus, and that cleared out for him. So some good sportsmanship there. Um, the doggies obviously were good enough to win this one. That's four in a row for them now. They've won five of their past seven or six of their past eight, I think. And every team who they've beaten was in the eight when they beat them. So um, some teams who aren't currently in the eight, including I think Penrith, but but were when they when the dogs Tigers. beat them. Tigers, um, Tigers as well. Yeah. So they've um. Beaten South and, Eel, and Eels were both definitely going to be finishing in the, the finals. So, mm. um, you know, so there's not sort of the freebies in there. They're, they're beating some good teams in this run, and um, just their their energy and particularly their defence. Like they're not 
you know, piling on a lot of points with some brilliant attack, but they're um they're just playing for each other now and really sort of just defending well and, yeah. and showing a lot of enthusiasm, which is... They're um, doing what they need to do to win and that's, you know, and that's what counts and that's all that matters. And that all goes back to the stuff that Wingy has been saying the last couple of weeks is when you've got a dud season, you've got to finish well to, you know, to use that to build up to, to give you motivation for the preseason. And um, that's what they're doing. They've, yeah... They're winning, and I mm. I can't see them, um, you know, dropping their bundle and going back to the way they were at the beginning of the season. So, um, two more games for them, and I think they'll finish it pretty strong. Mm. Another thing we said four, five, six weeks ago, and he applied it to both the Titans and the Bulldogs, who were last and second last on the ladder at that point in time, was their full overall game plan isn't working for them. It's not getting them wins. They've got to strip it back, just focus on one thing at a time, whether that's you know goal line defence or pushing up in support or fifth tackle options and just sort of strip everything right back. And it kind of looks a bit like that's what the Bulldogs have done. They've just simplified everything. Like I said, they're not putting on expansive, flashy plays and really sort of leading with their defence, and it's, it's working for them. I thought uh, in this game, Josh Jackson was just inspirational, just absolutely inspirational in both attack and defence, put on a really nice pass for their second try, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will Hopawadi was 260 metres and 10 tackle bus. He was phenomenal, had to play some fullback while Dallin was off. Um, so really good signs for them. A um, couple of sin bins. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one, Nathan Brown, this was... Um, He's been so good since he's been at the Eels. He's been good at not having brain snaps. And this was the old school, you know, under-20s Tigers. Nathan Brown, brain snap, ran up and put a big shoulder charge on uh, on Dallin, which may have uh, caused a, a shoulder injury to the, uh, the yeah. fullback. Hopefully he's not too bad. But uh, landed himself in the sin bin and also uh, on the sidelines for two weeks. Grade two shoulder charge. So what do you think went on? So after the hit happened and then Nathan Brown was caught out by the ref and Josh Jackson... <laughs> Like and then I can't remember if if Nathan Brown struck out at Josh Jackson or if the other way around. But what like what do you think went on in that interaction to make him snap like that? I can I can because I can get the in the middle in the heat of battle brain snap. I, like I mean I don't condone it, but at least I can understand the process that led to that. But standing in front of the referee <laughs> and then just having a having a crack like the- what what's going on? I think I'm pretty sure Jacko said something to him, and I would pay someone actual cash money to find out what Josh Jackson <laughs> said to trigger it. Um, but there's a fantastic shot, um, again probably on the NRL's Instagram or, or posted somewhere. But basically, the entire Bulldogs team dragging Nathan Brown and Corey Harawira and Ira facing towards the ref, just doing this. Nothing to see here. <laughs> the, the whole team just swapping Nathan Brown. Fantastic picture. It'll be on Twitter somewhere. Dig it up if you haven't seen it. Oh, Second brain snap being Remus Smith about two minutes after that. Um, dogs race downfield with a 13 on 12 advantage, pressing the line. I think they just got a six again call for Eels knocking a, a ball down. And uh, Remus gets up in a tackle, leads with a head, and basically headbutts Mike Acevo and gets himself sin binned and coughs up possession as well, which yeah. is just an absolute coach killer. They end up winning the game, but it's just such a massive no no when you've got the advantage to do something silly like that. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, I'm sure what, what, you know, what we're saying is, is no different to what every coach is saying right now. But there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. You just can't, there's crackdown on fans our play has never been tighter you can't get away with that stuff you'll get found out and you'll get sin binned and it's yeah. going to cost it's going to cost um it's going to cost the team and potentially going to cost the game so don't do it keep keep calm heads and the other interesting thing out of this one was that it someone it might have even been two weeks ago now um and i'm not sure where it started but basically crafted through the nrl.com ladder predictor a path to the finals for the bulldogs if all these results went their way <laughs> and 
this path is still alive. <laughs> it's still going. They needed 14 results to go their way. Then they need 11. I think they're probably down to about eight now. Um, so they need one of... It'll either be the Sharks or the Broncos to drop out, and they're going to need your Tigers to, to lose every remaining game, and I think the Panthers as well. But they can still mathematically make the finals on... Uh, yeah, I think they Sharks can make it, but they need Brisbane to not win any more games, along with Tigers and Panthers. Obviously, they have to win their last two games as well. But, yeah. Could, um, could you imagine that? Like... It would be the most unlikely finals <laughs> worth of all time, but it's still alive. It, well, it, all it does, again, it just highlights um, the competitiveness um, and the even nature of the competition, I suppose. Mm. You can be dead for all money for three quarters of the season and then suddenly start winning and you know potentially jack a final spot. Mm. Interesting compared to last year by about round sort of 20 or 21, there was this four or six point buffer between eighth and ninth, which is extremely unusual to land like this. We basically knew a month out who the top eight were going to be, just mm. not quite the exact order. Um, whereas this year, it's almost the opposite. The top probably six have been locked in for a while, although mathematically a few of them could have dropped out. Um, but yeah, basically no, the six, but there's still like six teams vying for those last two spots. And we haven't really had anyone, you know, the Sharks are now looking pretty good for one of them, mm. but it's still, you know, there's still legitimately sort of about six teams who can fill those two spots, which yeah, is... Yeah, it's pretty, it's exciting, incredibly stressful, um, but very exciting. Um, should we should we um, talk a little bit about Parramatta before we close it out? Just because whilst yep. we've said that the Bulldogs were pretty impressive, um, I I think I'm going to call this the loss Parramatta needed to have. Um, yes, because I think they've been getting ahead of themselves because um, they've been had a pretty good run and you know they're all but guaranteed a final spot. Um, and you know we're talking about mathematically the Bulldogs could make the top eight. I think mathematically the pa- Parramatta could have made the top four had they beaten the Bulldogs. So mm-hmm. I think. It was all getting. They were thinking end of the year rather than you know next week. Uh, and I think I saw a, a, a Parramatta. A, a mate of mine who's a Parramatta fan sent me an article um, talking about. I think Mitch Moses now knows what it takes to win a finals game, and he said like they haven't even made the finals yet. Why are they talking mm. about this sort of stuff? I think it all has got a bit too much for them. So I think this has really brought them back down to earth. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any anything for them to worry about, but um, it's probably. Uh, yeah, you know the loss I needed to have. Yeah, I, I said very similar straight after the game to um, the other journos in the press box. And our um, young NRL.com reporter Troy Whitaker went to the Eel Sheds and got Reed Marnie, and he basically said the same thing. He said, "We, you know, it's probably come at a good time for us. We just need to learn from it. Um, it doesn't hurt." It doesn't badly hurt their top six prospects, although, like you said, it does probably rule them out of the top four, mm. although I don't really think they were going to get that anyway. But um, if they had made the finals with a big run of sort of soft games, that probably doesn't help them too much either. So good chance to um, to reset. That's going to so, be a massive game in round 25 against the Sea Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think Parra have got Broncos in, in the next round. Broncos at Suncorp I'd, and then Manly back at Bankwest. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, there's a chance they lose their last three games heading into the finals because yeah. Broncos at Suncorp won't be a, a gimme. We saw how tough they were mm. uh, against Souths on Friday night and then obviously but Manly. Don't at, Parramatta have this weird uh, hoodoo over the Broncos at yeah. Suncorp, don't they? Like, it goes back to the, the 80s or something. They don't well, go too bad. At, um, <laughs> they don't go too bad at Suncorp. Yeah. And they, um, or Suncorp against Brisbane, I should say. Their last trip to Suncorp was ended up quite messy against Melbourne in Magic Round. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Manly in round 25 will be tough. And the way Manly are going, they'll take a lot of beating. Yeah. Um, I guess before we move on from this one, if, have you seen uh, Nathan Brown's Instagram 
uh, video of his nonna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was so, – so the, the first place I saw it was an Eels fan shared it with all Eels fans and Nathan Brown's nonna right now. And the quote is, yeah. Nathan, I proud on you, but why? <laughs> it's just this – you just felt this poor little Italian nonna just so disappointed in uh, a, a grandson for it, um, it's good the, stuff. the brain it's good, snap. good content. Um, dig it up if you haven't seen it. But um, hopefully Nathan uh, learns from learns from his actions and from his nonna and, uh, and fixes up when he gets back in week one of the finals. Yep. Um, any final thoughts on the way the ladder's shaping up? No, I mean, like you said, the, the top six are probably, I mean, all but locked in. The order, I think what the, the final couple of spots, so Manly and South vying for that last, well, I guess in the Raiders now that they've lost, um, the, the makeup of the top four, I guess, will be pretty interesting as well. Mm. Well, it's probably, um, I mean, those three teams are all on 30, so any of Raiders, Manly and and South can go out, and they've all got, I think, some tough games in the last. Geez, it would be two disappointing. Weeks. I don't like. It would just be really disappointing if the Raiders somehow dropped out of the top four because I, I really like the way their season's gone, and um, I'm just really, I'm a big fan of their team this year. So yeah. I hope, I hope they they bounce back. And um, I mean, yeah. their their differentials a lot better than even those other two who yeah. are in reasonably healthy shapes. They'd probably have to lose. Both games, oh, if By they win one more, I think they're, they're pretty much in. So okay. you wouldn't expect Canberra to, to drop out from where they are. But, um, yeah, a little bit wobbly still for South. They, they needed that win, but they're still outside the top four. So chance to get back in. But, um, yeah, they don't want to really finish um, fifth if they can help it. Um, Sharks, like we mentioned, probably starting to look like they're going to get there, although they're not guaranteed just yet. Um, Brisbane desperately need to beat Parramatta this weekend. I reckon this is going to be that, that Brisbane Paragames. It's it's season defining for both teams. I think. Yeah. I think Parramatta will need to stand up and say, "Yep, you know, right, right, last week off. Yep, brought us back down to earth. Let's remember like who we are and how we got here." And it's it's well, it's all or nothing for the Broncos. They've just had a you know heartbreaking loss, and also the heartbreaking but the physical toll because that was a massive game. The physical yeah. toll it would have taken on the team. They they'd be they're beaten up now, mm. um, and they've got to back it up and and you know put all in line again against Parramatta. I think it's going to be a great game. Mm. Uh, no Pangai back anytime soon either. I think they probably missed him a little bit, as good as David Fafita was on the other edge. Oh yeah, how do um, we not talk about him, David Fafita? Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't first, he? He's that that tr- the, the runaway try that he scored. Two of those tries, most people don't score. Yeah, it's just crazy stuff. Yeah. And he's still, yeah, still young, still unsigned. I think so. Ooh. He's going to be on a big, sharks big will, deal. The Next sharks will be circling. I don't mean the team. I mean metaphorical. <laughs> sharks. Metaphorical sharks will be circling. I think probably the actual team as well. Right, Eels, I've heard. I mean, Manu Mo's going. People sharks are chucking was... big Warriors money around. Um, mm. oh, sorry, people are talking about the Warriors chucking big money around for him. I got you, man. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he might end up staying, but wherever he goes, he's going to be on a pretty hefty deal. You yeah. would think. Um, yeah, Tigers doing the right thing. They um, probably one thing we didn't mention is their um, awful for and against now <laughs> looks a lot better after that win over Newcastle. There um, now got a better for and against than Brisbane, although it doesn't really matter because Brisbane are on odd points. But um, they're now better than the other teams. Better below than what, one Penrith and and Newcastle. Wow. Yeah. Does that mean are we scrubbing Newcastle now? I mean, yeah. Even if so, mathematically yeah. it, they're still in with a chance, like the the vibe of the place, it's it mm. just doesn't seem to be there anymore. Well, I mean, Newcastle are level with points. Uh, with Canterbury, who we just said technically right. have a path through okay. to the final. So there, um, I think the Warriors are now mathematically out of it, um, although I think we probably all wrote them off yeah. uh, a week or two ago. But yeah, Bulldogs up are still mathematically in there. Um, but it'll take a lot for Bulldogs or Knights to get there from uh, from 20 points now. 
pretty exciting stuff. That is exciting How stuff. How good is rugby league? How good? <laughs> I'm looking forward to next weekend, uh, actually. Um, should we wrap this baby up? Let's do it. Alrighty. Well, uh, thanks for another Sunday Session podcast. And I think we're back to three people next week. All right. See you then. See you then. See you, folks. Thank you.